Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, talking to Krishna, and this is part two. We're working our way through. Uh, I wrote an article. It was my top 75 players mid-season edition. You can check out the article on the website. I'll link it in the description for the episode. Uh, if you missed part one, we talked about players about 1 through 15 We got down to the ADs, the Jimmy Butlers, the Devin Bookers of the world, and we're going to pick up from there. We're going to work our way down the list, eventually get through all 75 players. Uh, Krishna, how you doing? You ready to talk some uh, NBA rankings? Yep, uh, I'm ready to kind of dive into this, uh, I guess it would be tier three, four-ish or whatever. Yeah, so we we talked about tier one last episode, which was like the top 10-ish players in the league. Now we're moving on to kind of the second and a little bit of tier three. We kind of argued who we'd have higher, who we'd have lower. And now we're going to start SGA at 16. Any, any him or anyone beyond him that kind of caught your eye? Um, actually, before we cook, uh, before we talk about that, I just wanted to kind of quickly mention. So uh, we, we were talking about this a little bit off air um, about the, the games played argument essentially like um and to me there's like three players right now where you're like um they lose significant value because they're just like they've just been injured a ton over the last three years um and i think two two of those players everybody knows about and we talk about those guys all the time uh ad and Kawhi, right like we always talk like everybody is it's a it's always a talking point that like those two guys are missing games right the third guy that, for whatever reason, doesn't get lumped in with him is KD. And I actually feel like, um, so you were mentioning on, on like, off-air, you were saying, like, you know, I wish I had mentioned that that KD's missed a ton of games. Um, so originally in my article, there was a blurb at the end that was saying, like, hey, KD's great, but I don't know how much longer he's going to be a top 10 player because he's just missed so much time in the last three or four years. Like, so... <laughs> Oh, sorry. So if you, I got too excited. If you don't, if you count the ACL missing year, right, that's a lot of time since 2020 he's missed. I wasn't. I was counting after that how much time he's missed. And it's still similar to AD. It's like within 30 games of AD. So he's missed a ton of time. And he's 34 years old. And he tore his Achilles already. So I just like at a certain point, like I remember reading this phrase a lot in power rankings or you know rankings like this where it was like i just don't know how much longer his body can hold up because it doesn't seem like it can handle a whole season and i feel like durant really fits into that category yeah uh i think the one thing i would say is that he's bouncing back from all these injuries just like he never got injured it's, it's he, he is playing very well it's like incredible he like he he basically has like a mcl sprain like almost yearly at this point like i i think this is like three years in a row uh which is a pretty fluke injury it seems like but like it somehow happened to him like maybe what two years in a row three years in a row now and he comes back each time and he's like yep i'm just coming back and getting buckets like i'm katie again and so he comes back from the injuries really well but i think and so like in that sense i'm not that worried about his long-term ability However, I think the fact that he just keeps getting injured and like we keep seeing these like knee injuries, these ankle injuries, like all of these, if they you keep getting them over and over, they just pile up and eventually you're just not the same guy. Right. But I don't think we're anywhere close to that. However, I think more from a games played perspective of like 
this guy's just only going to play like 50 to 60 games every year. Oh, so if maybe, I'm maybe 60. About, yeah, maybe 60. So if I'm talking about overall value, yes, yeah, it's, it's been more like 40 to 50, right? If I'm talking about overall value, that's like a, like I'm docking him significantly, which is partly why I don't have an issue with your ranking of KD being at like ninth or something. And honestly, I think uh, with all the injuries, you could have him even lower because he's just, you know, you, you only get him for like 50 games a year. Um, and you know, you, you might, it, you're probably going to get him for the playoffs. He hasn't gotten injured in the playoffs yet, but you just don't know. Right. And, uh, since we're kind of talking about injuries here, I feel like this is a good segue into one of the players in your tier three here. Um, so I'm just kind of looking at the tier three. I don't have really much of an issue with like any of these guys like Ja. I, I again, we kind of, uh, talked about like, uh, possibly moving Jimmy up. So I'm not going to get into that too much. But like I, I like the rest of this tier here. Ja, uh, Booker, uh, Shea. The one that caught my eye was Zion. And again, we talk, we're, we just started this podcast talking about injuries. And so again, I'm going to now talk about um, Zion's availability over the last three years. And um, do you know... What so so since he came into the league, do you know what his games played have been in every season? No, but hold on, I just want to touch on the Durant thing right before we move on. So I actually think we're pretty close. You said we're not close to the injuries piling up. I actually think we are. Him pre Achilles on Golden State and post, he seems like significantly slower. And it, it's o- it's okay because of the way he plays. You know, he's such a tall player, and he hits, like, a lot of pull-up jumpers, where it's just really, really hard to contest those. But we even saw last year in the playoffs, like, his pull-up got blocked, like, two or three times in that series versus the Celtics. And I couldn't recall really ever seeing that happen. It's kind of similar to watching this late-stage LeBron, where he's still really good, but there was a... This is, a, this is like a, maybe two seasons ago. Derek Jones Jr. was on Portland, and he blocked him twice from behind on drives in the same quarter. And I was like, man, I can't remember the last time I saw LeBron's shot get blocked, one, and then twice by the same player in the same quarter. And it was just sort of like LeBron, you know, still a very good athlete, but just not what he was. And I feel like there's been little things like that with Durant. And I feel like like I have like a threshold theory where as long as you're above a certain ability to get your shot off threshold, it's not really a factor. But as you move lower and lower towards that threshold, it's really hard to see until you drop beneath it. And I think Durant is actually moving closer to that. But again, it's not an issue until he drops beneath that shot creation threshold. And he hasn't yet. But as these injuries pile up in his mobility like lessons, I think we're getting closer to that. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to add one last thought on KD. So I think the thing that's helped KD is I, I think his shooting has actually improved post Achilles, which is insane, right? It is so, really right, good right now. Yeah, so like you're right that the like the rim shot creation, the the kind of that ability to get to the basket is like just completely gone almost. Like it was like never great, and now it was never great, but it's pretty much almost all gone. Like he's he's just not going to go to the basket. And I do think you could look at his on ball defense, and I uh, and and think that's declined a bit. I'm just kind of looking here over the last few years. Um, He. It's kind of been all over the place over his entire career, but 
2021 and 2022, it was 22.8 percentile and 30.8 percentile. Now, this is over, you know, this is across the entire league uh, or entire database. So that's, that's you know, really not low, adjusting though. for his position. He would be a little higher if you adjusted for his position. But I, I'm more so want to compare him with himself, right? He's actually taken a big jump up this year, which is kind of shocking to me. Um, he's in 49.4 percentile, which would be actually a career high for him. So, but to me, I'm willing to kind of uh, attribute that to more of like a smaller sample size, um, just kind of this year with him. Although his defense has been better. Um, but I think the thing, like the thing to worry with him would be like the on-ball defense and obviously like not getting the rim. But the shooting getting better, I think, is like that's kind of what staved off his decline from all of these injuries. I think that's honestly what it is. Yeah, so him taking his shooting to Sage level is like what is kept his value high. But if you look at his O-LeBron pre-injury on Golden State and then post-injury, like there's like a clear drop-off in terms of production. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, uh, all right, so let's talk about Zion. So Zion... Can I, so can I tell you the... Uh, I, I asked you a question, so I, I just wanted oh, to go sorry. back to that. So I, the question I asked you was, how many games do you think Zion has played uh, since basically he came into the league? Because you, I think you mentioned you looked at over the last three seasons, right? Um, so that would actually be 20 to 21 to this year. But let's include the previous season because that was his rookie year. So his whole so, career, I'm going to say he's played 117 games. No. Yeah, 117 games. That's my guess. Wow. That you are remarkably close. So the the actual Have I told you I'm really good at estimating things? Yeah, apparently cuz the the total is 114. So you oh! Yeah. Okay, you want to hear uh you want to hear a cool little tidbit? So yeah. uh I'll watch movies uh with my girlfriend and I can at any if I'm paying attention sober at any point in the movie, she can say oh, how far into the movie are we? And within a 10 minute uh window and oftentimes a 5 not often, some like I'd say half the time a 5 minute window. I can predict, I'll be like, oh, we're like an hour and 16 minutes into this movie and we'll pause it. And I'm within a 10 minute window. I would say 85% of the time, 90% of the time. That's incredible. I, and then uh, occasionally I'll be not- like, I don't know, like the plot structure of this movie is so weird. I can't figure out where we are in the movie. So, so now the thing is, so we got to look for a movie where you wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Something like something really weird. Or like if it has like a really short opening or really long opening, like where like the three structures are like a little like, like just strange. Uh, it'll kind of throw me off or like a Christopher Nolan movie will sometimes throw me off because I'm like, there's, I'm trying to take in so much information. Okay. So the, so Christopher Nolan movies are a kryptonite. Yeah. Like tenant there. He like, I, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> it's really yeah. Tough. Oh yeah. Uh, Okay, I'm I'm gonna actually think of a movie now and and try to see if you it throws it throws you off. Uh, not right now, but maybe at the end of the podcast, I'm gonna mention one uh, and see if I can come up with one and and see if you uh, if had some issues if, with it. Yeah, if you couldn't. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so so breaking down Zion's games, um, 24 games is rookie year, 61 is second year. That was by far the most. 
Uh, I think that was the season that got everyone excited in terms of like what he's going to be eventually. That's where like Point Zion started to happen towards the end of the year, and it was like, oh, so you can just give this guy the ball, and he can just yeah. dribble at the perimeter, and you just can't stop him when he drives. Yeah, and then obviously the third season was last year, which he didn't play, and this year he's played 29 games, and it sounds like he's out for the season, so that'll be his final total. So he has two seasons under 30 games, uh, and out of his four NBA seasons, he has won over like 30 games essentially, right? That's so I think, um, and I don't want to knock somebody for like injuries. Like it's like, it's not like Zion's trying to get injured, right? It's like, like he's, he's just had really unfortunate luck. The same thing's true with KD. Uh, Kawhi and AD, like all of these guys are not trying to get injured. Like I, I think not- this, so this is how I like to handle injuries. I, I'm not trying to uh, bash players for getting injured, but I think at a certain point you can identify that it's an issue to their value and it's not a personal attack. It's just like, Hey, end of the day, like this is a business and like, this is hurting the bottom line. Yeah. Um, exactly. Like it's, it's, it's basically like availability is a skill, right? I, I actually don't know if it's a skill. I'm, I don't know if it's a skill, but it's I'm a value driver. Skill. Yeah. I'm skeptical as a skill, but I think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter in terms of like, if you're bringing value to your team, like if you're playing for your team, uh, it would help tremendously, especially with Zion where like, like if you just look at the Pelicans record this year with and without him, it's, uh. It's pretty crazy. Like they were the three seed uh, at the start of the season uh, with him playing like amazing. So I think the thing is, like, I wouldn't have an issue with the Zion ranking if I was just looking at his level of play. Um, but just yeah. like the, the games played, like that's where I think I might have him a little lower. Um, so here's the thing: I was pretty generous with. I thought injuries on this list because I was like, who are the best players regardless? Like injury, I'm not, it, it affects the rankings a little bit, right? It, it pushed probably Durant down a little bit, pushed Kawhi down a little bit. I think it pushed, in my opinion, Zion down a little bit. And then like, you'll see like Lonzo Ball still on this list, even though he hasn't played this year. Um, but that being said, Zion is a special case because, you know, they're, they're, this happens where you draft a player and you're really excited about him and he misses a ton of time due to injury. And you're like, man, if this guy could just play, I think he could become really good. I think he'd be a real difference maker, yada, yada, yada. But the thing with Zion is when he does play, the level of dominance and how unstoppable he is, is undeniable. Where it's a special case where, yeah, it is really frustrating and we are getting to the point where it's like, I, so here's the thing. It's a big issue. And if it wasn't Zion, I think he would have been written off, right? If he was just a a talented player that was maybe like the fourth overall pick, it would just be like, oh, yeah, no, that, that just happens sometimes in the draft. But Zion, because like, I mean, when I saw his high school tape, I was like, oh, he's going to be a Hall of Famer if he doesn't get hurt. Like that, just full stop. He's just special. And so Zion gets special rules for how you evaluate him in my mind. So if he gets hurt, and what's well, the thing? It doesn't even matter because even if he gets hurt next year, he already signed the extension. So like the Pelicans are locked in and the Pelicans are like, we're going to go as far as Zion carries us. And they're putting together like a pretty good infrastructure around him of, of pretty good young players. But Zion is the driver to all of it. And we've seen in the time he has played, that level of dominance is a like top 10 player in my opinion. I think 
he I mean it would help if he played more. <laughs> It'd be a little easier to say that. But I think when you watch him play, some like there's not even plays sometimes. It's just like just give him the ball and get out of the way, which is really my favorite brand of basketball. He's just unstoppable going to the basket. And he's improved defensively every year. He's improved as a playmaker every year. So like all the other indicators of like a young player just needing experience, like that stuff is happening. So if he could just like if he could put together a full healthy season, like he might win MVP. I don't think that that's not crazy to say. So yes, he's missed a ton of time. But the idea of like, I think we would all agree, if you could guarantee that he plays 70 games next year, it would be like, so he'll probably get some MVP votes and everyone will be like, yeah, he'll probably get some. Um, yeah, I I don't know if I would necessarily go that far. Um, I mean, so like I'm looking right now and he's like 29th in LeBron this year. Now, I think so he's definitely getting hurt by kind of like the stabilization within LeBron. He's not playing enough. Uh, yeah. So like when you, if you, if you have like 900 minutes and everybody else, like you're getting pulled, the stabilization is pulling you down more just because like you don't have as many possessions. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I, that's definitely hurting him here, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, don't I, I wouldn't I just wouldn't go as far as saying like I think he's like getting MVP votes because I, I don't think he's like comparable to the guys we discussed in like the very top uh, tier. Oh, I don't know. I, I, th- I guess I just think he is like, sure, he's not as polished. He's not as well rounded because he just has played like, what do you say, 114 games. But that, that's yeah. But that's kind Imagine of if you could at. practice. That's kind of what I'm getting at, though. Like if he uh, so I guess one way to think of it is. You're kind of saying if he didn't have the injury concerns, he might be at that level now. And I think that's fair. Like if he's playing instead of if he's played more than like 114 games and he's played like a normal amount of games, he's probably, you know, getting better because just because he's playing more. So I I kind of understand what you're saying where like uh, if he had played more, he'd be like maybe at an MVP level now, whereas like because he hasn't got as much playing time, he hasn't. Uh, maybe been able to improve as much or something like that, right? So uh, I don't have, like, yeah, I mean, I could agree with that. I just don't know that, like, his overall level of play at the moment would mean, like, oh, yeah, he's going to get, like, MVP votes next year. What That's- was his uh, What was his O-LeBron in the year he played, like, 60 games? Uh, that is a good question, so I'm going to look this up. Because I uh, think it was, like, an O-LeBron of, like, four or around there, which is, like— That's 21? Uh, yeah. That was 21. Okay. So, uh, so like for, yeah. I'll explain the scale for why you'd look that up. So basically like I it's went 10. through, hmm? it's 10. Yeah. He, he was 10th. Yeah. What, what, what was it? Uh, it was plus 3.97. So basically a plus four. Okay. So basically the way the scale works, like very roughly, like don't, don't take this like to the bank, but like just if you're like you're browsing. So like plus six in LeBron is like, you probably should win MVP. Plus five is an MVP level season. Plus four is an all NBA season. Uh, plus three is an all-star season. Plus two is a top 40 season. And plus one, I can't remember, it's like a top 75 or like 100 or something. I can't remember what that one is. This but all that's like just vaguely how to look at the scale. So like that was a, he was playing at an all NBA level when he played for almost a whole, most of a season. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I agree with that. Um, I think. 
Yeah, so, like, outside of just, like, the games, but, like, I agree with your ranking of him in terms of, like, his level of play. So I don't really have... Um, yeah, like, so he's ahead of Harden, and they're the last guys in Tier 3. We're like, Harden... So here's the thing. I am not... I, I'll be honest. Like, I, so I try not to talk about my fandom a lot on this podcast because I'm trying to be objective, but I don't really like James Harden. I, I don't... I just don't really like how he plays. He is very good. I just don't enjoy it. But he has been phenomenal this year. And he should be. An, it's crazy he wasn't an all-star. But he's not as good as he used to be. And there is a little bit of, like, he's been banged up. He's also been a guy that's been injured a lot the last few years. Not this year, but the years prior. So if you want to have Harden ahead of Zion because you're getting more immediate, like, right now production, I'd be totally fine with that. Yeah. Um. Okay. So in terms of Harden, have you kind of watched him play this year? I, I, I don't know. I like I've heard a lot of people say he's more enjoyable to watch this year. So I, I that I, that's why I was just kind of curious because yeah, for me, it's not even the isolation that doesn't really bother me. It's more like the foul bait. I just don't really like watching foul baiting. It's not very fun. So uh, but like he's so but that's why I mentioned this year, because he's only attempting like I think like six or seven free throws, which mm. I get is not like <laughs> that's not a small amount. But, but it's not it's not eleven per game. Yeah, like it's what it not used to where be. he was like yeah, yeah. years and years ago with the with the foul free throw attempts. So and he's been a little more like the passing has been very like good. Like if you, yeah. I feel like he's one of those players. If you just watch him on a play by play basis, you're like, oh wow, I can kind of really see the uh, subtleties of his game, like the way he kind of like orchestrates their pick and roll. And um, is just getting guys really good shots. Like he, it's he's almost turned into like, like he can still score, which is why he's still a you know got a really good playmaking talent. Um, you know, otherwise, like if he had no scoring, then he'd just be like a Ricky Rubio or something like that. But he's um, so you can see like, but his passing is like really kind of driving the Philly offense this year, maybe even more so than Embiid. Um, I, I believe. Whoa. Yeah. Um, well, that's it. Okay. So, so you're shocked at that. Do you think, uh, who, who you think Embiid's scoring is kind of drive driving the offense more or. Yeah, but they're good. They're like a good, like one, two punch of like, they're, they're both doing it. Like, I, I feel like, it would maybe be unfair to say that, you know, they're both obviously driving that offense so much. I feel like uh, this is the type of thing where complimenting another, like one of them can accidentally be seen as a slight to the other, but they're both doing a lot of heavy lifting. Obviously, we both think Embiid's doing, well, no, sorry. We, we, we do think he's, wait, do you think Harden's doing more heavy lifting of their offense than Embiid? Is that what you were saying or just as passing? Uh, no, I was actually saying I think it's possible that and I, I'm going to give you some numbers right here. I was going to say is I think it's possible that Embiid's uh, Harden's been doing a little more for their offense. Wow. Well, uh, that helps my case of having Embiid lower. So I guess uh, I, no, I agree, see, I agree with you. <laughs> no, but see, then I would say I think Embiid's really uh, boosting their defense because so I'm going to give you the on off numbers here right now. So uh but with both of them on court, they have. Wait, sorry. Before you give those numbers, so we talk about this all the time. How? What's the sample size needed for on-off data to be like considered like good to use? Um. So where I I think let's see what's the padding number? I believe the, our the padding number you usually use for on-off data is around 
uh, sorry, this is for lineup data is around 500 minutes. Um, so all of these have uh, a sample size of over 500 minutes. So I guess with that being said, I, I just wanted to bring it up. A lot of the times people will be like, oh, this guy's on off in the last week and a half. And I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, I don't I know mean, if we should be looking at that 70 minute sample size. Ideally, we I, I would be mentioning stable on off numbers here. But um, I think the sample size here is is big enough. Large enough. We have over 500 minutes for um, each of these iterations here. Uh, and, and the thing is with like two man lineup combinations, it's not as bad. Like once you get to five man lineup combinations, that's where you're really way more worried kind of with the sample sizes, uh, with two man combinations, you, you know, you get way more minutes because you're just talking about two players. Um, and you know, you're right. It's, uh, the, I, I'm still going to give the sample size caveat here because, um, you know, it's, they're all over 500 minutes, but you know. Still worth mentioning. Uh, so, the, so the numbers here. So with Harden and Bead on court, they have a plus 8.43 net rating, um, a 122.97 offensive rating, uh, which is outstanding. Uh, I'm actually – so I'm going to also mention most people would tell you right there. They'd be like, oh, that would be number one in the league by far. You know, that would be the best offense by this amount or something like that. Don't do that. That is wrong. You cannot do that because when you're making, when you sit there and say, "Oh, th with these two players on, the uh, that duo has an offensive rating higher than every other team in the league," that's that's not an apples to apples comparison. Oh, because you're comparing it to teams, not duos. Yes, you're comparing it to teams and not. Oh, duos. this okay. seems like this is a this is a sore subject for you. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I mean, I see so many people do it. Like I, I, it's always like, oh, this team would, you know, this duo would have like the best offensive rating by like five points with them on the court. Uh, it clears the best team by five points. And like, that's just not the way you can do it. Now, if you're like, if you wanted to do that, I think you have to do it with like duos. Yeah. You basically have to make it an apples to apples comparison. So if I'm looking at like Harden and Embiid on the court and I want to do a comparison, I might compare it to like other, uh, star duos, right? Like what their net rating is on the court. And they played 1,210 minutes together. So the minutes isn't as much of an issue here. Um, with other duos, it might be. So this is where you would probably want to stabilize the the net rating and, and look at like a stabilized uh, on court net rating. Um, but anyway, so getting getting back to the numbers here. So they're plus eight point four three net rating, one twenty two point nine seven offensive rating with both of them on court, uh, one fourteen point five five defensive rating. Uh, they've actually had some. Um, Oh, okay. Never mind. I, I I was reading the wrong column. So then, with both of them, also just uh, for everyone at home, sometimes trying to read a bunch of data off columns while broadcasting gets really confusing. <laughs> you have a lot of columns. <laughs> yeah. Um. So for uh, I'm gonna also just mention this. Uh, we've talked about luck adjustments in the past, right? Um. And oh, how yeah. uh, and how opponent three point percentage is uh is like highly variable. And stuff like that. Um, I'm looking at the opponent three point percentage, and it's all roughly around the same, uh, give or take one or two percentage points. So you don't have to worry too much about that with the defensive rating. So with both of them on, uh, on court, they have a one fourteen point five five defensive rating. Uh, so that's obviously plus eight point four three net rating. Now with both of them off court, uh, I'm just going to mention this, just kind of because we don't we don't really care about this for a conversation here, but I'll just mention it. 
They have a minus 3.36 net rating, 113.74 offensive rating, 117.1 defensive rating. Um, Obviously not good numbers there. So So bad. They are worse when their two best players are not playing. Yeah. uh, Breaking news. (laughs) A team is worse when their two best players don't play. Um, Yeah. So now we get to the good stuff. So now we get to Embiid on and Harden off. They have a 7.31 net rating. The offensive rating was 115.14, and the defensive rating is 107.84. Oh, wow. So you can really see uh, the defensive rating is, like, much lower. And, again, the opponent three-point percentage is about, like, 0.1%, maybe about 1% lower. Uh, which so it just doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I don't think it's it's really driving the defensive rating much, or, you know, you know in terms of the luck. Um, so the, the defense is, is really phenomenal with Embiid on and Harden off, uh, offensive rating 115.14, um, with Harden on and Embiid off the net rating is 3.08. So they are worse, uh, with Harden on and Embiid off than the other way around. And in fact, that's significantly, uh, like the, the Embiid on Harden off net rating was 7.31. Right. So it's it's significantly worse. Uh, However, the offensive rating is one seventeen point seven three. The defensive rating is one fourteen point six five. So they can't defend without Embiid. That's not shocking. (laughs) Uh, The offensive rating, though, as I said, is one seventeen point seven three. So with the data I just gave you there with Harden on the and Embiid off, the offensive rating is one seventeen point seven three. With Embiid on and Harden off, the offensive rating is 115.14. Christian, you're giving me like 37 numbers, <laughs> and I don't have it in front of me. So keep, uh, what's the too long didn't read uh, so the offense? too long didn't read. Well, that's what I was going to give you right there. So the too long didn't read about the offense. With both of them on, it's like five points better. Okay. Um, with Harden on... And Embiid versus Embiid, it's about two points better with Harden on offense than with Embiid only on offense. So okay. it is has been better with Harden only than with okay. Embiid only. So that's why I was saying it. I think you could make the argument he's driving the offense. All but right. you couldn't make the argument that he's like a better player than Embiid this year because okay. of the defense. All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, – um, yeah, so I, like we were talking about Harden and how he's kind of driving their offense. So I think that's, um, you know, it's it's close between them. Um, so and the idea I, is his yeah, playmaking. Want to rate Harden higher? What? Oh, I said with that uh, extra data that you know now, do you actually want to raise Harden and lower and beat, or you're just like you're fine with where they are? What if I was like, I'm gonna swap them? No, uh, no, I'm fine with where they are. Um, that's a good nugget, but uh, I kind of was. I mean, I was factoring Harden being a pretty good offensive player in when I made this list, so I'm pretty good with it. My thing was his legs just aren't the same anymore. And if you read the article, I talk about his driving data. His rim shot creation is way lower. I think he's getting less assists on kickouts than he has in a very long time. I think maybe the whole database. I can't remember off the top of my head. So he's getting to the rim less. He's getting less assists on kickouts. And he's kicking the ball out more when he drives. 
So that's like the indicators you do not want to see where he's trying to get to the rim, can't get there. And then his passes on the kickouts are less effective than they have been in years past. Obviously, we do have to take into account he was a top three player for a big chunk there in Houston. He's obviously not that good anymore. And the playmaking still is good. It's just it's noticeably down in those indicators as a player ages are something you're going to see. And as those continue to trend the way they're trending, it starts to become a concern once he's, you know, 35 years old, things like that. So that that's really my big concern was the legs aren't the same. The driving isn't the same. Still a really great scorer, can do it in isolation still, can still pull up. Obviously still a very good playmaker, but the signs of age are there in the data. And I, you know, talk about the threshold thing. I don't know when that threshold is going to get hit, but it seemed like he really worked on his body in the offseason, came back in in probably the best shape he's been in since Houston, which is good. And that's helped this year. But uh, I think there's just signs that uh, there's just clear decline. Yeah. Um, so one final thing on Harden. Uh, I don't know. So I'm going to ask you if you believe this. I, I think he had mentioned something about the fact that like, the reason he's not driving as much this year is because he's played with Embiid, who likes to work more in the mid-range and is, like, kind of, like, he's not, like, a roll big all the way necessarily. So he's kind of, like, more of a big that's, like, getting... And, and Harden has a lot of assists to Embiid mid-range. So that is something that, like, I like it would be... Uh, it would be interesting to see what those drive numbers would look like with Embiid off the court. Um, I think more fair comparison because I don't think he definitely did not play with a center like Embiid in uh, in Houston with in in terms of just like his shot profile right like where and where Harden's assisting right like I um I think one of the things you would like look at this year would be he is probably getting a lot more assists that where he's not even necessarily driving all the way he's kind of like halfway into the paint and he's like making like a behind the back pass to like an Embiid mid-range shot, which is usually pretty good. (laughs) So uh, that's the only thing I would say. But I I mean, I think you're I do think you're right that like his driving is definitely worse. But uh, it would be interesting to see if those numbers like what the numbers look like with Embiid on and off the court. That would be interesting. But yeah, this the idea is the, the drive gravity isn't as strong as it used to be. Uh, let's move on down the list. Yeah. So now we're going to move into tier, call it tier four. Uh, we'll just name it off really quick. We got Garland, Trey Young, Jaron Jackson Jr., Drew Holiday, Paul George, Jalen Brown. Uh, any players there that kind of spark your interest where they're ranked? Um, yeah, so... Um... I actually have some, yeah, there's quite a few players, actually, I think we could talk about here in this tier. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I like where Garland is. I'm kind of okay with that. Um, he is, <laughs> for reference, in terms of, uh, I, I don't, you, I don't think you necessarily looked at his LeBron this year, but he's ranked 20th in LeBron this year. So you and just, I had him 19th. That's pretty and perfect. You have 19th, yeah. <laughs> Somehow you managed to almost exactly ballpark where he is. I'm a good estimator. Yeah. Um, the Trey ranking is where, um, I, I would have him lower and I might have him a I, I guess, um, we, and we've talked a lot about Trey off air. <laughs> so this is going to be kind of a, a fun conversation. Like I think, 
Um, well, one, I, as the expert on off-court stuff or like body language or whatever you want <laughs> to say, having it, I'm just. Well, did I kid care? Did I say this on the podcast or not? I'm the. Uh, I'll be the empath, the NBA analyst, empath of uh, analytics, Twitter, or whatever. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you said that on the last one, but I guess you said it now. So, um, yeah. So for Trey, I, I like, I'm surprised that like as the body language expert or as like the, uh, as the expert of like, does this guy kill coaches or something like that? Like, I'm surprised you aren't a little, uh, lower on Trey for that. So <laughs> Trey is sort of, there's a similar argument here the, as to Zion. Yeah. Where it's like the talent is so unbelievable on offense that I don't know how to put him lower. And it it's it's I think it's very fair criticism to be like, well, I don't know how this works with other players. I don't know how it works on a super high-end team, because I don't either. But I think we could agree things in Atlanta are like pretty much going as bad as they can go. Is that fair right now? Yeah. So, like, this is as bad as it's going to get. I mean, barring, like, the team. Because here's the thing. There's a fair amount of talent on that team. I'm not saying they're they're a fantastic team or anything. But, like, they have, you know, DeJounte Murray's on that team. He's not playing well, but it was very good last year. Clint Capella's a good player. John Collins is a, a talented enigma that nobody knows how good he is. But we're all pretty sure he's not really bad. <laughs> um there's a fair amount of they got Bog, one of those Bogdanoviches. I don't know which one it is, um, but he's a pretty good shooter. Like they have talent on that team and things are just really not going well. You could argue, you know, Trey being such a poor defender, how that, that really handicaps how you can build the roster. But he's still top 10 in Olebron this year and things are going as poorly as they can go. Like he led the league in total. Like I, we don't, we don't reference reference a lot of box score stats on this podcast. But like he led the league in total assists and points last year. Like that is, that is like a, that's just a lot of moving and shaking. Yeah. Um. Can I give you some of Trey's D. LeBron numbers because <laughs> are truly incredible. Now I know you didn't include twenty nineteen to twenty in your sample. Uh, but I'm just going to mention it anyways because he was dead last in D. LeBron in 2019-20. And when I say he was dead last, his D. LeBron was minus 3.52. And the second worst player that year was minus 3.03. So he was dead last by a lot. And LeBron has uh, – LeBron is generally compressed on D on defense so it's helping him because it's, it's kind of pushing him back up to the league yeah and let me just tell you you don't see d lebron's that bad ever like minus three point like the following season where he was also by the way and so this is in 2021 he was also a bottom five defender in d he's, he's pretty much like bottom 10 every year right uh and in yeah so in 2021 he was bottom five he was minus 2.2 that's actually a pretty massive improvement uh, the worst player that year was minus 2.43. So, uh, again, that 1920 season was really, really bad. Uh, and then in 2022, uh, he was the he was the seventh worst defender. So he and, and then this season, I will say he's improving in terms of like his 
overall ranking in defense. Like this year, he's 490th in defense, which I think is like bottom 25. So he's gone from the worst defender to the fifth worst defender to the seventh worst defender to a bottom 25 defender. Hey, this this is you give him you give him 40 years. He's going to be pretty good at defense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so I, I guess this is my thing. I don't. I'm. I feel like in the article, I try to tell people I don't got all the answers for all seventy five of these players. I think I got some answers for for most of them. But Trey Young is basically a top ten, maybe top five. Because like, here's the thing: it's not that Trey Young's just scoring a ton of points. The playmaking is like off the charts, near the top of the league or the top of the league. Like he's like top three in playmaking talent every year. He's not that old, and that's probably. I, like we've talked about that peaks later in your career. So with Trey, it's not just a ton of points, but it's also really like as elite of a playmaker basically as you can get. So I, where do you, where, how, how do you figure out he's, well, we'll say he's top seven in offense and he's like literally the worst defender in the league. That's going to play big minutes. I, I don't know how you, sl- like I think offense is more important than defense. So that helps. But then beyond that, I I I just don't have I don't have the answer. Yeah, I'll I'll be honest with you. I don't really have the answer too. That's why he's a, a fascinating player to rank because, as you said, so top seven player on offense and maybe the worst defender in the NBA, right? So basically, yeah, basically. So ranking that type of player is very weird. Like even if you think offense is more important, um, you still have to factor in that you are are you're literally the worst defender in the NBA, right? So. Like that doesn't like I and I, I do think guard defense is maybe not as important. You know, we've seen that. I think we've discussed that on the podcast about how, you know, uh, rim protection is more important than um, kind of perimeter defense in the regular season. Right. So, you know, I, I don't think guard defense and, and I think you could even make the case that even in the playoffs, it's it's maybe not as important either. But at the same time. Uh, you're still talking about like there's a difference between being a bottom 100 defender, uh, like say maybe like somebody like a Luca is right, or being like the worst defender in the NBA or, or, or bottom five defender. Like there is a difference there. Like there's oh a, absolutely you know so like that's where he's also so small. He's so small. Thing. Yeah. He's so like sp- I could take him into the post and just drop step him a hundred. Like I, I'm getting back surgery in three days, and I'm like I could drop step Trey Young right now, like no question. Yeah, um, I mean I, I guess Ben Simmons can't, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry to the Simmons supporters. Um, uh, how many ever there are, <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I, I just, um. It, it, he's just really hard to rank because like you said, so I, I, but I do feel like having him at, I, I guess the way I would look at it is like, I do feel like being 20th given that level of defense seems kind of high. That's the, I do feel that. Like See, I, but the thing I, is, it's like, but I, I think being that bad on defense seems. But, high. So we're in the point of the list. These are no longer players that I'm like, they're the best team. They're the best player on their team. Like they're, you're not going to win a championship with Darius Garland or Drew Holiday as the best player on your team. You're just not going to. So now we have to think about Trey not as the best player, but if you were to put him on another team, like Trey Young's probably more impactful than like Chris Middleton. Like I would just, I think most people would probably agree with that. And or like Jalen Brown, let's just say you take Jalen Brown off the Celtics and you put Trey Young there. 
I think that makes that offense go into hyper overdrive. And, you know, you have four good defenders around him that you're going to be okay. Like I have Jalen Brown lower, maybe like four or five spots lower. Cause I just can't imagine that Trey young goes to one of these playoff teams and he's like the third best second or third best player on the team. And they're just like, not pretty unstoppable. Uh, so I agree with you regarding maybe your Trey young jail intake there, but that might have more to do also with my like feelings on Jalen, which I'll get to, we'll get to him in a little bit. Um, I do feel pretty comfortable that, uh, Trey should be behind Jaron Jackson who, and maybe it's cause like, I mean, the guy is like third or fourth in LeBron this year or something like that. Um, he was finally an all-star this year and the minutes played, uh, at, like obviously at the time when he was voted an all-star, I think a lot of people were like, why is this guy an all-star given like he's barely played, but you know, he's been playing this whole time. So we're, you know, and he's I, also going to win defensive player of the year, like in a landslide. Right. And not on top of that, I actually don't have a lot of feelings on Jaron, but he's going to win defensive player of the year in a landslide. And also he pleases stretch big on offense. He's a pretty good three point shooter where it's like, yeah, I understand he's in foul trouble a lot, but who cares? Like if someone was like, well, you can have this player. He's the best defensive player in the league, clearly, but he's in foul trouble sometimes. I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. Versus like having a kind of good defender who's never in foul trouble. It's like, I, I, I would obviously take the high end player. Yeah. And um, I, my hot take here is that I actually don't think there's that much of a difference between him and AD. I think. Um, oh, offensively. Well, no, as an overall player. Because you're saying his additional defensive value outweighs the offense? Uh, well, hold on. I'm not saying he's better than AD. I don't think there's that much of a difference in terms of, like, yeah, the defensive value. And and offensively, I, I feel like he's coming along. Like, it, so I guess what I'm talking about here is I'm maybe, like, projecting a little bit going forward because he's only 23 years old. So, like, if you ask me who would I rather have for the next, like, two or three years, I think I would take Jaron Jackson over 80. That's all. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, uh, Jaron Jackson at the moment is necessarily better than 80 because there is a, a little bit of a gap on offense, but, uh, he is like a better shooter, isn't he? Like he's, Oh yeah, he's a better shooter. He's a but... much better shooter. So that to me makes it a little easier to fit him around other players. But and, AD's like his, they're not even close as a role, man. And, yeah, no, that's true. Uh, his two-point percentage, though, 57.3%, would be a career high this year. He's been, like, a much—he's kind of combined the two-point percentage and the three-point percentage in a in a decent spot where, like, he's basically a league average three-point shooter now. Um, no, yeah, his offense is definitely coming along. It's definitely improved. I think the more you stretch it out, the more I'm interested in that take. At four years, I'm like, yeah, I'll take Jaron. But at two or three, I'm like, I'll just live with the injuries. I think take AD because AD is just like such a the polish he has on offense is they're like they're not really comparable. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, the funny thing is, I was going to mention that part of the reason I, I like I'm still taking AD at the moment. And uh, it's just because, like, Jaron fouls a lot. <laughs> and that's part of it. Like, that's defense. But I do think that limits his, like, like he's playing 27.7 minutes per game. It does limit his minutes a little bit, yeah. yeah he some, his oh, man, he has some bonehead foul. Like, there was one where AD was posting him up. And I don't know why. He just wrapped his arm around the front of AD. Like, completely. They're, they're like, it, like, there's no one around them. 
And then they, you know, try to throw the ball down to AD and AD tries to jump for it and he just holds him down and they call a foul. And then he's walking around shaking his head being like, I can't believe you called that foul. And it was like, oh my, like, I think the the foul trouble stuff is overblown. It, it's it's like, sure, can you do, do I consider it a little bit? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. But like some of the fouls, you're just like, what are you doing? What are you, what are you thinking? Well, what, what, why you, I, ah. Yeah. Uh. I, well, that's why I, I mentioned it also just because, like, when you're trying to compare him to somebody like an AD, small things like that matter. Like, something small like that is going to matter in terms of, like, him reaching that level. Um, I will mention, though, that, like, look, despite um, – I and I do agree with you that, like, AD is better at the moment. But despite what we're thinking here, uh, Jaron Jackson's LeBron is actually much higher than AD. Well, not much, but – so, like, Jackson is third in the league in LeBron, and AD is 10th, and this was true last year. Now, granted, AD has been a different player this year. Like, so to me, I, I was kind of thinking of this take uh, after last season, and and last season, Jackson was, again, higher in LeBron, and it was a bigger gap, and I think part of that was just because, like, AD wasn't healthy, and he— AD yeah, he was. He hadn't looked like the player he was in 2020 at all over the last like two seasons, right? Whereas he's resembled that more often this year. Yeah. Um, I, so I, 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 I would understand the skepticism more now as opposed to like honestly at the start of the season where I might have taken. I, you know, I think I might have even said I would have taken him. Um, but this is now two straight years he's been ahead of him in LeBron, which I think is worth mentioning. Um, and like, if you look at his LeBron breakdown, like, okay, I think like we agree he's the best defensive player in the league, right? Well, yeah, no question. Possibly by a lot. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anyone like I, I'm, I'm going to pick him as the best defensive player with like zero hesitation. Yeah. And then the other aspect of it. So on offense, he's a plus, uh, 1.2, which is pretty good when you combine that with defensive player of the year level. In oh, the- absolutely. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, I have him and at 21. Pretty, I'm going to add this in that like, so. I feel like, like actually I, I'm higher on him than the uh, general public is. Yeah. So I, I'm just going to add in that like when I'm looking, uh, I'm thinking about somebody like a Rudy Gobert from a few years ago. Um, I Gobert's offense, I, I don't remember if it was necessarily higher. Uh, than Jackson's is this year. I, I'm I'm not going to really bother looking it up, but I think we both would agree that Jackson's offense is much better. It's more Gobert's useful, offense. yeah. Because well, Gobert's was strange because like you were getting like 15, 16 points a game on uber high efficiency because he's just so big that you yeah. just get a lot of like finishes. But yeah. Jaron's like is more like functional, can shoot threes. Like it it like works itself into a half court in terms of impact. I think more. Yeah. And so, like, I'm I'm just thinking in terms of, like, like where Gobert was maybe a few years ago. Uh, and then looking at Jackson, and, and his defense is probably not at the Gobert-level impact. Although maybe— No, but it has, it has more mobility. Yeah, actually, that's a good He's point. He's much yeah. more mobile on the perimeter. That's, yeah. I think that's one of the things that really makes him just so impressive is he moves like a small forward. Yeah, so you know what? So I maybe he does have that like defensive impact that Gobert does when you consider the the scheme versatility, right? Being able to play like different, you know, being coverages, like being able to 
drop, being able to switch, being able to... I mean, there was some possessions versus Golden State in the playoffs last year that were extremely impressive, like switching on to Steph that were extremely... I know there was some mixed results there, but there was like a couple where I took away our eyes. I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, he's he, he's definitely one of the better switching bigs in the league, which is impressive given his rim protection, right? And then combining that with his offense, which I think is a is pretty clearly positive. I mean, he's... Oh, yeah. He just has a really ideal skill set for 2023. That's another part of his value. Like, his yeah. skill set is about as ideal. Like, you're a stretch big that's a dominant rim protector that is, like, has, like, some solid switchability. Where it's like, sure, does he foul some? Yeah, but you're getting that skill set. It's just so valuable. Uh, let's move on because we're, okay, so we're, we're like, almost an hour in. Final, I, I just have one more take on, on Jackson here that I'm, I'm going to ask you. In terms of the spiciness, I, I want to see if you uh, if you're going to agree with me here. Is Jaron Jackson actually the Grizzlies' best player? No. Okay. <laughs> no. I, I just wanted to ask it. He's uh, it's a fun. I mean, it's a fun question. Fun. It's spicy, but if you were talking to somebody else that was a little bit more. Uh... You know, somebody I somebody commented on, on my article, and they were like, "This is these are the most vanilla takes I've ever read," and I was like, "Little does this guy know, I'm a pretty vanilla person. Like, just generally, I'm not saying a lot of crazy things. That's just not my style. So yeah, yeah I mean, you're, if you're talking to someone a little more volatile, maybe you get a yes out of that." Uh, but it's a fun question. So real quick, I just want to talk about Drew Holiday for a second because, you know, we've, we've, we've kind of joked about like the body language, things like that, uh, the it factor, whatever you want to call it. Drew Holiday is like the epitome of like the um, like just it, like the look in his eye, how locked in he is every single possession. Like he's a good player. He's a very good defender. One of the best perimeter defenders of the last decade. The data loves him. He can score solid score and is, I think, a really underrated playmaker. So he's a good player. And he's a really good complement piece on a championship team. But his basketball IQ and his level, the level that he is locked in in every game, the effort on every single play, it is so noticeable and it boosts his value so clearly that, like, I, you know, I feel like we've talked about some, some negative things I noticed. I feel like Drew Holiday, whatever you want to call it, intangibles, whatever it is, is so noticeably strong that it boosts him as a player. It actually provides value. Like watching him play, it's it's I don't I don't even know what the the word would be, but like I'm proud that someone is playing basketball like that. Like it's I just love how he plays. Yeah. Uh I'm kind of with you here with Drew. I um actually so a few things. So somehow you managed to almost nail Garland's ranking with his LeBron rank this year in terms of like, so he was 19th and he's 20th in LeBron, right? So you're only off on one spot there. You literally exactly named, nailed Drew's ranking in LeBron at the moment. <laughs> really 22? 22nd in this list and he's 22nd in LeBron for the season. Wow. Uh, I thought, I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, I actually, so I'm going to kind of lump him in here with, uh, with Jackson and, and I think PG is Drew Holiday the best player on the Bucks. No, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, where did where did I go that far? Like, <laughs> hey, mine was a little more reasonable here. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Jaw one. Um, so I was gonna mention that I think I would take Jackson, Drew, and PG 
I actually would like to bump them up a tier. Into oh, 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 you want them in the in the in the Jimmy Butler, Devin Booker, SGA tier? James Harden? No, actually, I don't. Yeah. I want you know what? I want them in their own tier. So uh, I, I but you I'm don't want Garland tier. there. Hmm. You don't want Garland. Yeah, I want Garland in the next tier, and I want um. Yeah, I would want Garland and Trey in the next tier. I and I feel like like. To me, I feel very uncomfortable having Trey ahead of PG and Drew and Jackson, to be honest. Like, extremely. The thing, okay, so the thing with Trey, it's just the, it's just so much off. It's sort of like a Suns thing, right? Where, like, if you look at the Suns, you're like, wow, the high end talent here is insane. And then you look at it a little longer and you're like, wait, but how does all the other stuff work? And I'm just of the opinion that, like, if you're scoring 128 points a game, it doesn't matter. Like, it's always the net. When the Nets had Harden, Kyrie, and Durant, it was like, sure, is there some flaws to this roster? Absolutely. But, like, if they're all healthy, they're just going to steamroll the other team because they're going to score too many points. Uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying there. If like Trey was actually leading to like a top five offense, but the Hawks, I do not. He just has to be on a better team. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not debating that he doesn't have great offensive players around him, but like the whole idea of like this guy's a top ten or top five offense or top ten offense by himself, like. Like the way maybe we were saying about that regarding like Harden like in his prime, right? Like or or Luca currently. Like I, I don't think we're there with Trey. Well yeah, but the so difference not, is we would be ranking those players in the top five, and I have Trey Young as the twentieth best player. Right. But I feel like part of the reason you have him twentieth is because of the defense as well. Which again, I, I just like having the worst defender in the league <laughs> ahead of like triple J, PG and Drew just I don't know, I, I just kind of don't love it, I guess. Um, let's, uh, so, and, you know, regardless. so here's, well, so one thing I, we, you know, I really want to speed up cause I want to get to everybody on the list. We're there's going to be another part or two to this episode, but like Paul George, the issue with Paul George is outside of that OKC year. The offense has never been elite. Like, yes, he is a very good two way player. He can ball handle. He can play, make some, he's a really good three point shooter, really good three point shooter, you know, fantastic defender both, you know, as a primary defender and a team defender, very, very good. But the offense just, like, it's never been elite outside of that one year. And I feel like sometimes, because when you watch Paul George, it is silky smooth. It is, like, aesthetically ugh, unbelievable. And it's a burlesque show. <laughs> but just, like, when it comes to total offensive output, it's good. He's a good offensive player. But he's just not great. Uh, isn't he kind of like essentially a worse version of Tatum? Yeah. In the sense, like we were talking about Tatum uh, in the last pod about like Tatum's just kind of like this player that doesn't have any weaknesses. Like he's good at everything, right? And to me, I look at like PG, and I'm kind of thinking he's kind of in a similar. But yeah, he, yeah, kind of. Yeah. I, I can I can understand that, but not really elite at anything. Um, and he's just kind of and they're both first very good three point shooters Tatum in that regard. Like where Tatum might be like tenth across the board in every skill, PG's maybe like twentieth across the board in every skill or something like that. Mm. So like he's just kind of a worse version of Tatum. And we kind of talked about like how having that player is like you can stick him in any situation. Yeah, Paul George seems like a really ideal number two because he's like a two-way wing that can shoot. 
So, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and yeah, there's not a lot of teams where that doesn't about number fit. twos for the last like like we're well into the guys who are kind of more number two best players on a team. So that's why I just like and uh, I, I just feel like he should be a little higher than um, I, I guess Garland. Like I'm still I would take him. Oh, I just think Garland is absolutely electric when he has the ball in his hands he is just discarding his primary defender getting into the key with a live dribble and playmaking like his playmaking is like he, he just zip zip and passes around i think his playmaking is really what sets him apart from the other players in this tier defensively he's been like just decent which he's not bad so that's good and then he's a pretty good three-point shooter both on and off ball so he plugs in he's just a unbelievable electric offensive piece that fits really really well next to other like dominant on ball guys because again the three-point shooting and then he provides any additional playmaking that somebody like so he's paired with mitchell and mitchell you know really good scorer and has playmaking but not to the same level but you could pair garland with devin booker with jimmy butler with sga to help complement that playmaking with Kawhi. like i think there's a lot of players that garland plugs in with that uh, because Garland isn't like a super scorer, so you pair him with any of these ultra high end scores, and then his additional playmaking buoys the offense where you have 48 minutes of like really high quality shot creator with the ball, and then also he blends really well with another star on the court. Uh, yeah, you know what? If you want to have Garland had a PG, I wouldn't fight you that much. I think I would fight you way more on having Trey, and again, it's just like we've talked about, we talked about Trey earlier on this podcast, so I don't think we have to. Debate that. Yeah, it's just the Paul George, the plug-in. It's it's much easier. I, I yeah. can understand and, that. And you mentioned on the last podcast, if I remember correctly, that Trey Young might be the least portable player in the league. That's very best possible. <laughs> well, maybe, I yeah. Think looking, <laughs> from that standpoint, too, like PG is maybe the second most portable player in the league, or third. Well, we're, we're talking good ever. players, <laughs> not, not actual the whole league, just like players that matter. Right. Okay. Um. Well, I mean, we are kind of talking about like the whole league. Like, <laughs> I mean, really, is Trey less portable than? Uh, oh, I, oh I, I see what you're saying. You're you're talking about like some random like, like Thomas Bryant. It's bench. like uh, Trey's probably more portable. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I, I think so. Basically, I I would just have those three guys up uh, a tier. They're all in the same tier, and like I said, if you want to reshuffle this tier, I, the you know, I'm not going to. In this tier that you have, Jalen. I'm actually a lot lower on him. You are very low on Jalen. I'm very low on Jalen. So should should I give you my case of why I like him? Okay. So he can score on volume with positive efficiency. So that's, that's, that has value in and of itself. He's very good. I think he's one of the best players at attacking closeouts in the league. So he, again, is a second, like your second best player type guy. And, you know, the ball swings to him and he can create on that closeout. I think he's really good going to the rim. I think his mid-range game has improved. I feel really comfortable with it, both floaters and pull-ups. I think that's really strong. The three-point shooting has been up and down throughout his career. It's been kind of down lately, and that's a little bit of an issue. But I think he's like a multi-dimensional scorer that, like last year in the finals, I feel like he was really trying to keep Boston in games. I know Tatum had a rough series. And to provide that kind of offensive juice and to show that aggression on the biggest stage, I think really helped in my mind. And I mean, you're still getting, you're getting like what, like 25, 26 points a game on positive efficiency. That's pretty darn valuable. And then on defense, I think earlier in his career, he had some really good D LeBron numbers. Lately, it's just been like, it's, it's, 
it's fine. It's I, it's I mean it's positive for a guard. Um, it's fine. I did a lot of tape study on him. I did a scouting report. If you want to check out one of the earlier podcasts, it's Jalen Brown's scouting report. And I thought the defense was just okay upon further tape study. I wasn't really impressed with it. I think he's helped a little. Like I think he's like I don't think he's bad at defense, but he is helped by on you know such a fantastic team with like six good defenders. I think really does help him, but. That's a pretty good player. I'm gonna say we'll say neutral on defense, not bad, and then like pretty doesn't like just didn't do a lot of dumb things, which I thought was good. Like played played within the defensive structure, I felt, and then on offense can give you some isolation scoring, uh, can blend with other players because he's so good at attacking closeouts. Where like that's a that's like a pretty good skill set. Yeah, I, I guess the thing with him, uh, with Jalen, like I'm going to give you some of his LeBron rankings here. Uh, so this year he is, uh, let me pull it up. Um, he is 68th in the league in LeBron this year, um, which, you know, not great, right? Like, <laughs> What's his deal, LeBron? Um, oh, I, I didn't look that up. I was just kind of looking the overall because I just wanted to ballpark where I have, you know, where he is. Um, and last year, I think he was, uh, I'm already forgetting the number. I had looked this up like literally a second ago. I, he was somewhere in the sixties again. Uh, so what hurts him though, is like, he's not, he's like, he, there's a little bit of playmaking to his game, but he's not a playmaker. I don't think that's how people would describe him. And I think that hurts his overall impact because like anytime you're a strong playmaker, that's going to help you in all in ones because you're, you're helping your teammates get better and things like that. Um, which it does have value, but I think Jalen's role as kind of his role in the offense is as a scorer. And I think like he's pretty good at that. Um, yeah. So let's, uh, well, so I, I just want to finish the, cause we you mentioned three years in the, in the article, you looked at the last three years. So, uh, this year he's like 68th last year is also in the sixties and the year before he's like in the hundreds. So basically, and I understand what you're saying there regarding like the playmaking, not helping him. Um, and honestly, like, I think Jalen's clearly a guy who, if we're being honest, is not a great regular season player. And you're really seeing his value more in the playoffs, right? Like, Because the high-end scoring translates better yeah, to the playoffs. And, and I understand that. Um, I think pinpointing, like, pinpointing where he is in the playoffs is hard as well. Um, my, so one thing I want to say is I think I was interested in this. If Jalen Brown was on Charlotte, what would our opinion of him be? I <laughs> see. This is where if he was on Charlotte, we're he's not probably just somewhere like so. He's twenty fourth on my list. He's probably just somewhere in the thirties if he's on Charlotte. Are we even talking about him if he's on Charlotte? Like I don't know. He's probably averaging like thirty points a game if he's on Charlotte because that load would be okay. Huge. So where do you have Bradley Beal? I have I have Bradley Beal at thirty eight. Okay, so probably somewhere around there, right? Okay, like, but so one thing I do want to say though is we've seen Jalen Brown play and work within a very good team in Boston for the last few years. They've it. been a high high end team, and like he's contributed on a team that like like last year went to the finals. So like so the the issue is with a lot of players in the thirties, right? Where you have a guy like Bradley Beal, you have Desmond Bain, you have Zach Levine. It's always like, well, I really, you know, I like these guys because of this, that, and whatever. And I really would like to see how that translates to the playoffs because, or, you know, a high-end team. And we just don't know, but we're excited about those players because they got pretty good stats. 
I think yeah. Jalen Brown has played pretty well on a really good team. So like that answers some of the question, right? Right. Uh, so I have some interesting numbers for you regarding Jalen's playoff numbers. Um, and I don't think certainly playoff LeBron is, you know, the either the three year or the five year version. Like it's not an exact stat. Like you still have a lot of sample size issues and stuff like that. So I understand if you kind of want to take this with, a bit more of a grain of salt. So, sorry, one oh, thing I want to explain me, with that. Let me just kind of finish uh, giving you the stat here. So, uh, in three, in all the three-year versions of LeBron that we have for the playoffs, he is a negative, and that is also the case for his current five-year playoff LeBron is minus 0.21. So, um, it's just the impact in the playoffs somehow has just not been there. Now, I don't know if that's because of who he's played with, um, but yeah, I, I just thought that's kind of interesting. And, and we, I think the best way to look at jail, like, so we've argued a bit about clay and Jalen to me really feels like a newer version of clay. Like the, and just for the record, everyone, I like clay and Jalen. Krishna hates them. <laughs> I don't hate them. I, I just, um, uh, I think it's hard to ballpark their value. Um, there's clearly some postseason value. Um, although for whatever reason, it's not showing up in like their impact in the postseason. So I, I also don't know why that's the case. I, I'm not going to sit there and say that their playoff LeBron numbers are like exactly correct. Right. And that like, uh, that LeBron isn't missing something. So, so one of the things that makes the, I was a little confused by this at first. So one of the things that makes the playoff LeBron so, so hard to pin down is that the samples are small. That's why we use the three and the five year, but the issue isn't always how many minutes, like, cause if you, if you make the finals, right, you're going to play a fair amount of minutes and the guys on the Celtics have played a lot of minutes the last few years. The problem is, is all the other players have really, really small samples. So like part of how LeBron and all-in-one works or all-and-ones work is they look at like they need a big sample of a bunch of different players to like compare other players to. And I think that's one of the issues is like you have, like even if Jalen Brown, whatever, plays like 900 minutes in the sample, there's so many other guys that are only playing like 100 or 120 minutes that I feel like it, it makes it kind of tricky to be able to compare like apples to apples in the playoffs. Yeah, um, honestly, the the playoff minutes are actually not an issue here, though, because like in five years, because in five year you have enough. He has 20, sometimes it happens in three year. He has twenty, almost twenty four hundred and fifty minutes in five year playoff LeBron. That's almost a full season's worth of minutes there, right? Like, how many minutes do you play in a season? So like, no, so it's but it's not it's not his minutes of the problem. It's like no, trying it's to compare to others. Yes, um, and. You know, he's kind of getting compared to and and one of the things that's kind of weird with the Celtics is I think a lot of their players have been a little lower in playoff LeBron because they've had a lot of weird opponent three point shooting luck go in their favor. For example, the Bucks last year, um, Drew Holiday shot like 25 percent on threes. And for the you know first career, I think he's like much higher than that. <laughs> you know, honestly, just a lot of the Bucks players shot like crap. In that series, uh, a lot of the Heat players kind of didn't shoot that great either. So they, they the Celtics players um, had some weird opponent three-point shooting luck where I think uh, uh, some of their players, like Tatum is also one of these players who's not that great in the playoff LeBron. I think partly due to, uh, you know, the opponent three-point percentage luck. 
because uh, because no, normally you'd expect a player in the finals <laughs> to to be much higher. Um, but going back to Jalen, so yeah, like I I think we've kind of talked about he he's very similar to Clay, right? Like um, this player who is great off the ball. Um, doesn't give you honestly. Like, I know you said he's improved his playmaking a little bit, but like, let's be honest. I mean, it was like it was like pretty bad before. It's, it's, <laughs> it's he's not giving you much playmaking at all. No, but he's giving you like you you have a little bit of gravity when you can score that much. Okay, that's fair. But, like, like I, yeah, he's not up there. He's not there dishing dimes behind his back, behind his head, like Globetrotter yeah. style. But and, just if you're scoring like twenty plus points, you just have a little bit of gravity. And uh, and let's be honest. What's the joke that we always hear regarding both Clay and, and Jalen? They should not dribble the ball. <laughs> there and the reason that joke happened, like the reason everybody makes that joke, is because they both have kind of questionable handles. <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I, Jalen's got a weird uh, situation where like his his handle when he's self creating is actually decently, but it is decent. Like he like you can see him make moves, and you're like wow. But then like. You get, I, I think it's with any sort of ball pressure, like anybody gets up and um, or like, um, also is able, like, he, he gets stripped a decent amount, right? Like, anytime, yeah. and, and you can, when you see him drive, you're like, wow, that looks really awkward. That's the thing, right? Like, if you watch him drive, it, it just looks awkward a lot of the time. Sometimes it does, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think, you know, so the turnovers can be like, <laughs> we, we saw in the finals, right? Like, the turnovers with Jalen can be an issue. Um, I, it, I think, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just like, it, he's, he's hard to rank again. Cause of like what you think of him in the playoffs, but like, like from a numbers standpoint and you know me, like I'm a numbers guy. He's just like nowhere near, <laughs> nowhere near this tier. And I, and I guess I feel nowhere near. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like I I told you his LeBron numbers earlier, right? Like he's in the 60s for the last two years, and like uh, I think in the hundreds uh, the year before. Um, his playoff LeBron's been like negative every year, right? Like so, just from a LeBron, like if I'm just using LeBron, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and oh, and you know what? I will say this though, uh, LeBron hates him, but uh, and I don't mean the player, by the way. Uh, <laughs> In case anybody wants to, like, in case somebody clips this, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't think anybody will, but, like, LeBron, the player, does not hate Jalen. Um, I uh, In terms of, like, other impact metrics, so Darko is actually very high on him. He, I think he's in, like, the top 20 in Darko. So mm. it's, well, if, it's, if only this was a Darko podcast. Yeah. So it's not that every metric hates him. Like, I um. You know, every impact metric. You just hate him because you made LeBron. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess uh, LeBron, I guess I hate him because I made LeBron. Um, his EPM is also kind of meh. It's, it's just kind of somewhere in the middle here. Um, he's a plus 2.6 in EPM this year. Uh, so just to give a few other impact metrics where, you know, a few other good impact metrics just for comparison. Um, Darko is very high on him though. He is top 20. So I, you know, I understand the case there. Um, I don't know. I, I guess like for me, I've just, uh, when, when we did our skills, um, ranking, right? Like I took playmaking first, uh, and I, I really value that. And, you know, I was going to bring that up in our Luca argument where uh, Luca versus Embiid. I was like, you took playmaking first. Luca's like the second best playmaker, third best playmaker in the league. 
Um, yeah, you got me there. Um, yeah, I think I, I just have Jalen um, probably in uh, in a tier below with the next group of guys. And uh, and and let's move to the next type of group of guys because like Middleton, I think is very fascinating when you compare him to Jalen. So one last thing on Jalen. So go. So he's averaging like 23 points a game last year. He was able to bring that efficiency to the playoffs, same amount of points per game. Yeah. And his true shooting actually just went up a tick. So he's never been a super efficient guy, but that's uh, to be able to maintain that volume and actually be a little bit more efficient in the playoffs. Again, it's just a box score. It's It doesn't have the same context as some of the other things. But like my point is you're getting a volume scorer and that does have value. And that translated over to the playoffs. But yeah, let's move on to... So Middleton is another player. We talked about injuries a little bit earlier. He probably would be up maybe a few spots higher, but he's missed majority of the year, and he hasn't looked super good. Again, it hasn't been a lot of games. I think you got to give him some time, but I still had him at 26. He's a good player. He's similar to Jalen Brown. In my mind, they kind of can play the same position, both like solidly neutral on defense and then uh, he can play make a little bit more, which is maybe a little more valuable, and he's probably a better three-point shooter, yeah. but a worse driver. So that's my thing with Middleton. I think um, I Middleton's had a lot of injuries the last few years, so I think because of that, you could almost say they're on the same level now. But I think if I'm looking at their overall level of play, Middleton's playmaking is a lot better, <laughs> right? Like, it's a lot better. So I think... Uh, that's one of the reasons I would tend to favor him over Jalen, um, just in terms of like, but then you know what the Jalen shot making is probably better at this point. Um, like given what we've seen out of Middleton and Jalen's definitely a more consistent scorer. He also, I mean, so a big difference. So I mentioned Middleton's playmaking being a lot better, but Jalen's a lot better getting to the rim. So Yeah, they were they were an interesting when I was trying to rank players. I mean, they're two spots apart on the list. They were I definitely spent some try, time trying to like split some hairs and figure this out. Yeah, um, I I think to, I actually feel way more comfortable with Jalen kind of in this group. Like I feel more comfortable discussing him among Middleton, Bam, Kyrie, uh, Siakam than I do with like PG Triple J. Like I just feel way like I think. Even if you wanted to include Garland and Trey in your la- in your tier, uh, in that tier above, I think I would just drop Jalen down to this tier, and I feel way more comfortable making comparisons here between all the guys in this tier. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, he was right on that cusp. I think actually, in, there was a couple iterations of this list. He was down there, so yeah, I'm not going to argue on that. I think that that does make sense. I feel like Bam. I don't really have a lot to talk about with him. He's a good defender. He's really versatile. He's been good in the playoffs. Um, blends the scoring well into the offense. He's just not a dominant offensive player. That's really Bam's only weakness. But I feel like he's one of the more consistent guys where like, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'd want Bam on my team. He's a, he's a good player. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. We're going to wrap up here. This was part two. I don't know what this is going to be. I mean, it's going to be like a part four or five series, but we're going to uh, make our way down the rest of the midseason top 75 player rankings. My name's Taylor. That's Krishna. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast.